Well, if you were to add up all of the arguments with your spouse in a year, would it add up to three days of arguing straight? Hopefully not. But if that is you and you got some toxic behaviors, we're going to talk about today how to replace those toxic behaviors with healthy behaviors. And also today on our Bad Doctor of the Week, we're going to talk about should we cancel church for sporting events? Maybe, maybe not. All that today on the Digging Deeper podcast. Well, hello. Welcome to the Digging Deeper podcast. We are so glad that y'all joined us here today. Our goal in this podcast is to dig a little bit deeper into that week's sermon, so that way we might dig it a little bit deeper into our hearts. We're glad that y'all joined us. My name is Chris Brown. I'm the associate pastor here at First Baptist Hazel. My name is Jacob Belding. I'm the connections minister here at First Baptist Hazel. And on sound slash production slash general coolness, me, Judah. Hello, everyone. Alrighty. How are y'all doing? Doing good. No major complaints today. Okay. Yet. That's good. So. Yeah, especially with a lazy boy on this way. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> just in case you didn't know, he's having a lazy boy chair delivered today. So if he has to leave, that's why. <laughs> All right. Well, we are glad that y'all joined us here today. Before I forget, always forget. Uh, if you haven't yet, like, subscribe, comment, do all those things below, just so that way um, YouTube, Facebook, uh, wherever you're listening to, uh, knows that you enjoy this content and want to see more of it. And we love to see you more. So let us know what you think about things going on uh, down in the comments. We love to read them. Anyways, this week... Uh, the sermon, uh, Pastor Lee did a continuation of last week's sermon. If you tuned in, last week was all about how do you reset your relationships without replacing or ruining your current relationships. And he decided, we actually, I think we mentioned this uh, in our podcast, that this yep. could be a sermon series. Yeah, we did. And maybe he listened to it. I don't know if he listened <laughs> to it. And he's like, that's a really good idea. But he actually uh, decided to keep going with it. So I don't know if this will be a full-blown series or if he's just you know, doing a part two. But anyways, this past Sunday, he did How to Reset Your Relationships Part Two. More specifically, uh, it's how uh, um, replacing toxic behaviors with healthy ones. So he gave some statistics um, at the beginning. I don't know if y'all caught those, but he said on average couples have 182 arguments per year and each dispute lasts on an average of 25 minutes now that's not the case with me i have the perfect marriage randy i love you is that the case with you um what the not ha- having a perfect relationship or having an average of 182 arguments per year on average i've I set a trap Yes. So is it no matter how you answer, I can just switch it the other way. Well, um, yeah, 182 arguments per year does sound kind of high. I mean, there's 365 days in a year. It's an argument every other day. Yeah. Roughly. That's a lot of arguments. I don't know. Um, I don't know if if we if me and Sam have that many arguments. Uh, now, what, what constitutes an right, argument? Right, that's another question. Uh, yeah. is, is it like a little like... Like, oh, like we disagree on, you know, who's going to brush your teeth first. Right. Like, is that considered like a little squabble? Is right. that an argument? Or are we talking about full-blown? Like an argument. Yeah, it's argument. like, hey, dig in. We're going to be here a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Judah, um, what, what would you say? Um, I can't speak to this. You can't. I'm not married. You have siblings. <laughs> That's right. You tell me you never argue with your siblings? No, never. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
Judah also has found perfection in his relationships. Yes. Apparently. <laughs> That's true. Last week, I think he said that he had zero bad relationships. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, um, so 182, it does seem a little high. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's every other day. So, my guess is it has to be, it can't be full-blown arguments. No. Like, like Who uh, has time and energy for that? Right. If you have 182 full-blown arguments like that are serious, man, that, you know, it kind of brings in a question. <laughs> Did you pick your spouse well? Yeah, uh, did you? I mean, you're you're married now, so you know. Yeah. But uh, it's like, man, that would be a lot, and mm-hmm. that would be draining. Uh, oh too, yeah, yeah. It? If uh, you're talking about significant arguments, yeah. which makes me think it's it's, it's probably yeah. like even like little squabbles. Like, oh, I thought I told you to take out the trash uh, right. this morning. Right. Like, well, I'll get around to it when I please. And, yeah. yeah, and then 30 seconds later, you forget that you even right. you know, have right. the, the conversation. Right, exactly. So, something that all of this is like for other people, me and Randy never <laughs> argue ever <laughs> at sure, all. Sure. Um, uh, we have polite conversations mm. uh, in which we um, maybe disagree. So what I'm hearing is we need to have Randy on as a guest. (laughs) (laughs) She can uh, either confirm or not uh, some of these statements. Me and Randy are so in tune (laughs) that even when we argue, it's resolved immediately. We both come to the same conclusion immediately. Yeah, it sounds just like a dream. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay. <laughs> Before I uh, incriminate myself a little too much. Right. Anyways, on average, um, 182 arguments, which, by the way, average is the average, right? So that means there's people like me and Randy who argue 0% of the time, but then there's people that argue way more than that. That must be like an everyday argument then to sort of make that average yeah. average out. Yeah. Anyways, in, okay. In three solid days of arguments, that's three 24-hour periods is what that amounts to. <laughs> like, it's a lot of arguments. Like, can we just, like, I don't know, it's the new year. Can we just get all the arguing out of the way? Like the January <laughs> the 1st, first 2nd, 3rd, days. we're just going to be in an in, intense uh, disagreements and arguments and things, and then the rest of the year is just all great. It's like, what was those, um, the Purge movies mm-hmm. where the, the premise is, Crime is uh, actually redefined as not crime for like 24 hours yeah, for or 24 something. Hours, and the idea, everything is legal. Yeah, the idea yeah. then is, oh, well, for the rest of the year, then there won't be any crime. Like, sure, whatever. Yeah. Well, so um, I had, uh, I can't remember who it was. Uh, I was hearing someone speak, and they, they were talking about how, how they structured their arguing mm-hmm. or disagreements with their spouse. Is that they would um, they would argue on I think it was like Friday night uh, or Saturday night whatever there was a day of the week that they would argue for real yeah yeah they uh, and they were not allowed to argue any other day of the week and so let's say something happened on Monday uh, that would that would start up a little squabble they would table it and say okay Friday night you know six p.m. you know we'll go in the room and and that was one of their big things is that they were. They didn't want to argue in front of their kids. Mm-hmm. And so 6 p.m. Friday, whatever, they go to their room and they would, whatever those week's conflicts were, they would argue about those. And, um, and he said one of the things that, that worked well with that is that there were so many like minuscule arguments that didn't need to be, yeah. that didn't matter, that by the time it got to that Friday, they forgot what it was. Right. 
um, yeah. or they were over it and it wasn't a big deal. And so uh, it was an interesting thing. Uh, maybe me and Randy should try that. Well, me and Randy don't argue. Yeah. So, who, who are you kidding? <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's, um, yeah, and that's for sure. That's a thing, you yeah. know, uh, kind of letting uh, letting tempers sort of, you know, air out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm sure I've told you this story before, but uh, when I was teaching high school, um, uh, one of the things that I really liked to do uh, with the kids was I'd, I'd mess with them uh, sometimes just to keep things fresh. Mm-hmm. And so there's one time there's this girl who, uh, oh, and by the way, uh, anytime that you let them go to the bathroom, like after you get done, like direct teaching, lecturing, those kinds of things before they do their work, they come back unmotivated to do anything else. <laughs> so, uh, it, but anyway, so uh, this girl uh, one time asked to go to the restroom. And uh, I said, "No, why don't you get your work done first? And you know, it, you could kind of tell it wasn't it wasn't an emergency or you know anything like that. And so, uh, so I'm sitting back working at my desk, and she asked again a little while later, in like five minutes maybe. I'm like, "No, are, are you done with your work? No, no, okay. So then, what I decided to do was uh, just innocently play a uh, pull up a clip on YouTube of Ten Hours of Niagara Falls." Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. might have played it on the projector screen. Coincidentally. And, quite right. That's that right. Had nothing to do with <laughs> the situation. <laughs> right. And anyway, uh, so I just kind of I hit the play button and just kind of smiled, you know, and watched. And she, anyway, she got up and left and went to the bathroom. I don't blame her. You're right. I would have done the same thing. It's all good. But man, I got an email from her parents. Uh, it was like right at four o'clock or four thirty. We want to meet tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, uh, she was worried about being in trouble for leaving, and I'm like, I was messing with her. You know, anyway. And so, mm-hmm. but man, you could tell they were mad. And like, we want to meet tomorrow after school. And I'm like, let me check my calendar. Flips pages, flips pages. No, I don't have anything until uh, you know middle of next week. And so I pushed the meeting. I'm like, man, and they maybe need to like calm down just a little bit first mm-hmm. and uh, they still weren't real happy uh with me but at least they weren't it wasn't explosive anyway yeah. but yeah i could get myself in trouble sometimes yeah but uh but it was fun yep so we bring up all this marital and conflict and your relationship distress uh and, and pastor lee brought up these statistics mainly for the reason of um whenever there's like conflict like that whenever there's especially like chronic conflict uh it can very quickly turn into like toxic levels and whenever it turns into like toxic relationships um, it will not only affect you and your spouse or whoever it is in the relationship but also there's like a wake that that forms uh behind you affecting everyone else and that's he mentioned in the the studies that that children who aren't even part of that marital conflict, just partakers of the conflict, tend to have um, greater chances of disorders and things like that going on down the line because they're just they're they're in the vicinity of toxic behaviors and um, you know it's, it's uh, apple doesn't fall far from the tree like kids learn from their parents uh, and so you just kind of create this generational yeah. curse uh, going down the hill. Anyways, so. All of that is to preface um, the sermon of how to replace toxic behaviors with healthy ones because we want to, for our own sake, for our spouse's sake, for the relationship's sake, for everyone's sake around us, we want to have healthy relationships and healthy ways, even when we disagree, how to go about those disagreements and things like that. So that's the preface of all this. Um, Real quickly, I'll I'll outline um, the the points that Lee gave us in this, and that is um, 
uh, how to replace uh, toxic behaviors with healthy ones. One, replace conflict with peace. Two, replace wrong with reconciliation. Three, replace bitterness with forgiveness. And four, replace pride with love. All right. So this one, there's no one central verse. Right. Um, and so, so we'll, we'll go through the verses as we get there. But, but let's get into this first one. The first one is replace conflict with peace. And so uh, this verse is in 2 Timothy. Do you want to go ahead and read that one? Yes. Second uh, Timothy 2, 23 and 24. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. Oh, okay. I'm going to keep going. I think that's all that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I'm looking at the NIV. Um, I do like the NIV's translation on this. Uh, so th- what, what, was, what did yours say at the beginning? Uh, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. Controversies, okay. NIV says, uh, don't have anything to do with foolish or stupid arguments. <laughs> yeah, it's very blunt. <laughs> yeah. There's a, um, there's a proverb that basically says, uh, in, you know, paraphrasing, like, don't argue with a fool. It's, like, uh, like, it's foolish to yeah. argue with a fool. I wrote it down. It's uh, Proverbs 26.4. Uh, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Yeah, you just get sucked into it. Mm-hmm. And and uh, Lee mentioned that this might be one of the most ignored verses in the Bible, especially in our time yeah. with Facebook. Do you find yourself to be a Facebook um, commenter? Oh, my gosh. Um, I, sometimes, uh, not as uh-huh. much as I used to. I you used, used to, to partake oh in all the gosh. stuff? I used to love it. Yeah. Uh, uh, way back uh, in the day, especially, man, uh, political arguments. And, mm-hmm. and I'm even tempted sometimes, especially on like the All About Azel uh, page, mm-hmm. when somebody will post something that's just like, what are you doing? Like, I have this like impulse to just like get on there and troll people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I might even have something typed out and I'm like, delete, 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 delete. It's like, okay, I'm just going to let that one go. <laughs> but, uh, uh, so kind of, I used, uh, I really used to do that uh, mm. more, but not so much uh, now. Yeah, I've been, there's only one time that I've been sucked into, uh, not even really a debate. The, I, I was on this Facebook group, this is years ago, and I asked a question. It was actually pertaining to ministry. And um, there was someone that, that gave such a, a um, kind of like rude, snide comment. It was like really passive aggressive, mm-hmm. and it just rubbed me the wrong way. And so I was like, that, that, "This whole thing about how wrote know, a book, yeah, pretty <laughs> much about how that was inappropriate uh, and condescending to do, uh, in which did nothing." Yeah. yeah. Uh, other than that, I think in my mind what I want to say, oh, yeah. <laughs> but I don't hardly ever actually type it out. Um, but man, it's it's actually interesting to to watch some of these arguments unfold, and and here's the thing with uh, a little less with Facebook, but but more so with YouTube, um, you don't even know who you're arguing with. Um, you could be arguing with, you know, a you know 56 year old scholar. Or you could be arguing with an eleven-year-old, yeah. <laughs> right? Or uh, maybe Chat GPT. Yeah, you nowadays. could be arguing with a bot. <laughs> you never yeah. know. And um, 
Or you could be arguing with someone who actually has no interest in the argument. They're just trolling you. Yep. Like, that's yep. their sole purpose is just to make you as mad as possible. Mm-hmm. And you think to yourself, there's not actually people out there. There's people out there. Yes. <laughs> They're like that. And so um, I think Facebook is a good revealer. Social media is a good revealer of how we are prone to involve ourselves in stupid and foolish um, mm-hmm. arguments. Yep. Now, um, uh, Pastor Lee basically... Uh, suggested don't even engage on Facebook like one that's not a, a biblical approach because yep. when you have conflict the the more biblical approach is to go face to face and deal with it as personally as possible right. right right and Facebook is a much more um, uh, public platform with spectators and and once you get spectators in there uh, I'm sure you dealt with this when teaching that uh, you begin to like a conflict with a student where they maybe wouldn't have wanted to do something or, or whatever it may be. And because they have an audience, yep. their reaction changes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you get them out in the hallway, say, mm-hmm. hey, go out, sit out in the hall, I'll be there in a minute. And then, uh, yeah, the whole their whole demeanor changes. Um, they're more likely to, to listen and actually apply. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, yeah, that was a, a, a great tool to be able to use. And it's, it's all back to that lack of audience. And, hey, let's just talk one-on-one and let's have some real talk here for a minute and mm-hmm. try to correct some of the things for your sake and the sake of your classmates. And mm-hmm. uh, that was much more effective than trying to, um, you know, uh, handle a, a, yeah, a classroom You have like a uh, showdown. Issue. Right, uh, right. Yeah, because then it becomes like a, you know, establishing don- dominance right. kind of situation, right. uh, you know, in front of the entire class. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, sometimes those might be appropriate, mm-hmm. you know, in the classroom. It's like mm-hmm. you got to, you know, the kid that's the, you know, thinks he's the biggest, baddest dude, and everybody else thinks he's the biggest, baddest dude. It's like prison. You got to right? make an you gotta, example. Yeah, right. <laughs> find the biggest, baddest <laughs> dude and just take him down. Yeah. Not really. Not really. But Hopefully you're... We did. We did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and so so that's for sure on the public side of things. But let, let's move this to like a, a, a private side. Maybe it's um, with your kids or with your spouse, or with friends, or family, whatever it may be. Do you find yourself engaging in stupid and foolish arguments um, in your relationships? Um, I don't think so. I would find 90% of mine. Oh, really? Are that. No, um, no, maybe. Like, what, what do you mean? By yeah. That? So, so here's what I mean by that. So, so when we were talking about the you know hundred and you know eighty something arguments that yeah the couples have, the majority of the disagreements me and Randy have are over things that don't matter at all. And so I would classify those as like stupid and foolish, mm-hmm. like arguments, gotcha. right? It's like the other day. Um, so a long running bit between me and Randy is that she does not do the dishes right. Um, so oh, like, yeah. like I have, I have a way that I do the dishes. It's very organized. It's very efficient. And she does it the complete opposite way of me, like start to finish. She couldn't do it more <laughs> different than me. And, um, and, and the other day, uh, have you ever done this thing where like you kind of start just having like kind of some banter with the other person mm. and then by the end of it, it's no longer banter. It's like, you're actually you're upset. Mad. Yeah. <laughs> and that happened the other day with the, the dishes. Um, she did the dishes, uh, which is awesome by the way, Randy, I love you. <laughs> um, she did the dishes and she made a joke. It's like, Hey, I did the dishes. I know you don't like the way I do them. And so it kind of opened up the door to banter. And so I'm like, yeah, yeah, you did this way. And like, let's go take a look. And yeah, you didn't do it this way. And by the end of it, I started to feel myself get a little bit upset that she didn't do it the right way. And, um, 
I would classify that as stupid and foolish yeah. because it doesn't matter. It, right. it really like the the way that she did actually didn't it didn't change like the cleanliness of the dishes by any means. Like effectively, we do the same thing, and so. That's what I mean of like like 90% of what I get into are things that don't matter. Yeah. Um, My wife was very successful very early on in marriage training me how to do dishes properly. Uh, granted, so maybe I need to talk to Sam. Maybe and you can train how, Randy. <laughs> yeah, to, to train Randy. Yeah. Uh, it was, but it was just one of those things that I mean, growing up, like for her, the all the cups go on the left side on the top, bowls go on the right side, and then you know you kind of fill in. There's an in order, between. man. Yeah, there's an order. Well, growing up, we did it opposite mm-hmm. in my house uh, or my parents' house, whatever. And so the yeah, cups would go on the other side. And so I think it was like the first time that I did dishes, she's like, you did it all wrong. I'm like, well, how do you want me to do it? And so she's like, this, this goes here. That goes. She talked to me very slowly. Treating you like a five-year-old. Basically. But uh, I think I decided uh, at that point, I'm like, it's, you know, I don't care how the dishes go in there. As long as they're clean and I have dishes to use whenever I want to eat, I'm happy. Whatever. Mm-hmm. If I'm... It's not worth. It's not worth it. It's mm-hmm. not worth the argument for me, uh, since it meant that much to her. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that's where I think, um, for sure, in in like personal relationships, where this passage can apply is like you know, whenever you get into or whenever you find yourself getting into an argument, just ask the question: Is this is this an argument even worth having? Right. Right. Is this conflict even worth having? And some conflict is worth having. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's for sure. Like I I, I don't even think Pastor Lee would. Um, disagree with this that that there are times that you need to disagree mm-hmm. in your relationship and in, in your marriage. Um, there's times that you need to discuss and figure out a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're getting at here is that not every argument is that right. In fact, I would say the majority of arguments don't need to happen because yeah. they're not worth happen- having because they're just they're foolish. They're, it's just little things. It's just that, little things that don't matter. And it's just more of like a little like nitpicking at each other thing rather than like, here's an actual, like, like, so like h- how to handle raising your kids yeah. or disciplining your kids. That's, that's worth, worth talking, about. talking about. Yeah. How you do the dishes. Probably not <laughs> worth, you know, getting into um, a disagreement over that uh, unless they're just not cleaning them. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Then yeah. it's gr- that's grounds for some serious right. uh, argument. They got to soak, man. They yeah. got to soak. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm letting them soak. Quit it. Uh, put them in the dishwasher. It's like, like, I don't, don't want to. It's like I'm letting it soak. It's a cast iron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, pull it out. It's totally rusted. Yeah. <laughs> Oh gosh, uh, and then yeah, that would breed quarrels for yes. sure. <laughs> now here's where I think this can shift. So uh, pa- Pastor Lee didn't get into this too much, but this happens a lot. You're a theological guy. I'm a theological guy. We see this happen a lot in the theological realm of people getting into stupid and foolish arguments um, over theology, and this almost gets into. And I can't remember if it was on this point or one of the others that that um, whenever you go into disagreements. How you go into the disagreement is just as important yeah. as to what you say. That's right. And there's um, there's different theological niches um, where, man, we are just so like toxic with each other and so demeaning to each other uh, over different um, 
like nuanced theological viewpoints. And and so this is Paul writing Timothy, who was a leader, pastor of his church. And um, this was a personal letter to him. So a lot of what he's talking to him about is how do you go about leading your church? Mm-hmm. And one of the things he says is don't get caught up in stupid, foolish arguments. Yep. Like things that don't matter. And I, I would say one of the main things he's probably pointing to him is like theological stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, like uh, theology is important, but uh, there's things that aren't worth getting into foolish arguments over. Some of those things might be like things like in Revelation. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's uh, right where my mind went. It's like just because you don't agree with somebody's view of the end times doesn't make them a heretic. Yeah. Right? They can be within the realm of orthodoxy, yeah. and you guys can simply disagree. And mm-hmm. it, that's okay yeah. on those issues. Yep. For sure. Yep. Now, granted, there are also times when theologically there are things worth mm-hmm. uh yeah, sure. you know really like those primary those primary mm-hmm. issues uh yeah it's worth uh you know planting your flag in the ground and saying this is what scripture says mm-hmm. very clearly and we these are some things that we must believe that the bible's told us uh it's necessary for salvation and those sorts of things mm-hmm. uh yeah that's that's not what so much what we're talking about it's more mm-hmm. um you know those secondary tertiary issues yeah and uh, one thing to like keep in mind, and then this might be getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, yeah. um, with stupid and, and foolish arguments, is uh, the argument itself, uh, like, like what you're discussing may not be stupid and foolish, but the way that you're approaching it may be yeah. stupid and foolish. Right, and, and that, that uh, applies to all arguments, yes. right? Yeah. So um, even if uh, we're talking about... Um, you know, a primary theological issue. I mean, it even says uh, a little bit further down in Second Timothy 2, um, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. Mm-hmm. It's like, so even there... That's what I say every time someone disagrees with me. Yeah, that's right. It's like, oh, <laughs> may the God Lord will, give you grace. That's right. God will change your mind for <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so that's that's important. Whether you're, you're having a theological yeah. disagreement, a marital disagreement, friendship disagreement, work disagreement, um, what you're arguing about may be worthwhile, but if you're approaching it from a foolish mindset, and by foolish mindset meaning like you're unwilling to hear any other opinion, you're already set in your opinion, um, then then maybe you're you're approaching it wrong because in in disagreements, especially marital disagreements, the goal isn't to fully convince them that you're right. The goal is to hear them out. Yeah, that's right. Then, Let's talk yeah. about that one. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Like Pastor Lee mentioned, you know, arguments in relationships. Even when you're right, you're wrong. Yeah. It's like, isn't that true in a lot mm-hmm. of ways? Like, I mean, not for me. But, oh sure. But yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. For uh, for me, for sure. And uh, it took me a while to learn this. Uh, We've been married 10 years now. and See, I, we've only been married five, so maybe I just haven't learned it yet. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, man, I think there there have been times where I'm like, I know that I'm right on this, whatever mm-hmm. it is that we're arguing about, and I can show it. And I, I can count on one hand probably with like one or two fingers how many times that I've actually got my wife to admit that she was wrong <laughs> and that I was right. I mean, it doesn't happen often. Um, when it does happen, we uh, erect a plaque on the wall <laughs> at this place at this time. She admitted that I was right, you know, kind of a thing. But when it sounds you, like you're setting yourself up to be brought up <laughs> later on in one of these points, right. um, so but, continue. But yeah, yeah, the point is, like, okay, yes, I was right, but I'm still sleeping on the couch. 
<laughs> Why am I sleeping on the couch? I thought I won. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, because yeah, you might have won the argument, but the way that yeah. you go about arguing yeah. it really, really makes a big difference. You got a smile on your face as you're like covering up yeah. on the couch. Yeah, like, that's right. Yeah. I might be out I in the doghouse sleeping with the dogs, but at least I won. Yeah. Like, that's not what we want. That's not peace. Which is for sure not the, and this, we're, we're going to use that to, to go into point two. That's for sure not the way we want to go about right. uh, conflict. Um, we, we want to uh, not go in trying to get our way, but rather go in for reconciliation, which brings us to our second mm-hmm. point. So first point is replace conflict with peace. The second point is to replace wrong with reconciliation. And so um, uh, Pastor Lee mentioned uh, Matthew 5. Uh, do, do you want to go ahead and <clears throat> read yeah. that one? Uh, this is verses 23 and 24. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Yep. So reconciliation, which just a big word to say like uh, res- resolving conflict. That's right. Like to, to resolve and, and to um, uh, reestablish the relationship yeah. back to the way it, it it needs to be. Yeah, to come back together again, yep. basically. And we mentioned this uh, a few weeks ago and maybe even last week, uh, that the, the the whole purpose of the gospel is to restore our relationship with God, to, to reunif- uh, reunite us with God. However, a secondary purpose of that is to reunite us with each other. We're restoring ourselves not with just God, but we're restoring our relationship with each other as well. That's part of the gospel, which is why um, Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, uh, if you don't forgive others, you'll not be forgiven because your ability uh, to forgive others is a direct demonstration of have you been forgiven by the Father. Yep. Amen. And so so this is really important, like more important than I think we even understand to yeah. God is that uh, he doesn't just want us to be in a right relationship with him, but us to be in a right relationship with each other, which is why I said, if you're worshiping me, if you're coming and bringing something to me, a, a gift, an offering, but you're at odds with your brother over here, stop. Yeah. I don't want it. Go over here. And this is something that, that I think we can wrap our minds around, but when you have kids, you really can wrap your minds around it. Uh, Lottie and Judson are like three and a half and one. And so they haven't quite gotten to this point yet that they're like at odds with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it's coming. Yeah, right. <laughs> but they, they do have that time where, uh, you know, Judson will you know try to grab something of lies and Lottie will like, no. Yeah, that's yeah, mine. Yeah. Uh, but it hasn't like full blown into like actual conflict yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I imagine, and you might be able to speak more on this, is that whenever whenever there's conflict between them, um, it actually creates uh, it. It doesn't necessarily. Well, let's see. How do I want to say this? Like I might be in a right relationship with Lottie, but if she's not in a right relationship with Judson. It, it it affects my relationship with her not in the sense of me and her uh, conflict, but in the sense of like like no I, I, like it's not just me and you, it's me and uh, or it's 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 us right together. And so I want you to be in right relationship with your brother, mm-hmm. and that's actually going to enhance my relationship with you because now we're like all in this together, not just like you yeah. and you. And then yeah, can, can yes. you speak more of that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, since, since you have older kids, um, right? Uh, so especially the older kids, uh, Joni, she's still three, um, so. She still gets away with a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the older kids, especially whenever uh, one of them, 
uh, does something to uh, hurt the other one uh, when they they have a disagreement or a conflict, and uh, it it gets blown out of proportion, right? And uh, they they can get physical with each other sometimes. You know, it's uh, it's like this one does this, then this one they escalate at each step, and then all of a sudden it's this big thing. Um, yeah. Uh, first off, it makes me angry uh, <laughs> when they uh, when they go about hurting each other, or uh, or even doing things that are just like why? What are you even doing? Um, but then, uh, and so yes, uh, yeah, that does affect my relationship with whichever one it is that um, that was uh, that really took it too far. And then uh, the trick is uh, to go about helping them to restore their relationship. So our, like you said, our whole relationship as a family can be uh, restored and at peace and mm-hmm. uh, we can enjoy, uh, we can enjoy each other yeah. that way. So yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things that let's say they are at odds with each other and then they come like snuggle up to you and it's like, no, don't pretend right. that everything's okay. Get away from me. Yeah, what are you not, doing? Not everything's okay. Right. Um, y- y'all need to go figure this yeah. out. Yeah. And, and normally when that happens, um, and it doesn't happen often, the, mm-hmm. uh, my, the older kids and really all three of ours play super well together and they normally get along. It's, uh, it, so it doesn't happen often, but mm-hmm. when it does uh and it gets to that point one of them is going to go sit in their room for a little bit and think about it um while i calm down <laughs> over here <laughs> give myself a little time to breathe so i don't do anything i'm gonna regret mm-hmm. um and then yeah that's the next step is to go and hey let's have a conversation yeah and let's talk through what happened and uh, sometimes it's not even really clear what mm-hmm. what happened and who's in the wrong and anyway but um yeah trying to mediate that between them is good for mm-hmm. for the peace and of, of the whole family. Well, and, and that's the goal, is yeah. like whenever there's conflict, reconciliation, right? Uh, so I don't know if Pastor Lee mentioned this, but Matthew 18 mm-hmm. uh, gives a very clear um, uh, path to how to deal with conflict. And, and one of the first ones is to go uh, find, like if, if your brother has something, is you go find them in private and try to resolve that. Mm-hmm. And if, uh, I think it says, if your brother recognizes his sin, uh, you have won your brother or, yep. or something along yep. those lines. Uh, one of the things it doesn't say is, you know, if if your brother hears you, then you've won the argument. Right. That's not the goal. The right. goal isn't to win the argument. The goal is to win your brother. Right. And um, and that's that's one of the, the, the biggest, I think, misnomers of... Uh, conflict and having those conversations is the goal isn't for you to be right. The goal isn't for you to even like, um, you know, communicate your wrongs there or, or what's what's been wrong to you. The goal is to work together to have reconciliation. Yep. And what that means sometimes is that you're going to be fully heard. And what that means sometimes is that you're going to um, have to be the hearer. Mm-hmm. Um, cause usually I would say 90% of conflict is like miscommunication. Yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. And so it's like, like you say something and you meant it one way, but they heard it a different way. Mm-hmm. And then now we're just kind of at odds yep. with each other. And so sometimes it's, if let's say I come to you and I'm like, Hey, you said this and I didn't appreciate that. And they're like, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it that way. Well, now at this point, I can like dig in and say, no, you did mean it that way. Right. Or I can just like, okay, let's meet together. It's like, maybe I did. Maybe I did have wrong in this. Maybe I uh, misheard it. Maybe I need to, to shift how I'm perceiving things and, and communicate to you. To, maybe you can shift how you say things. Um, that's usually how it is uh, in our alleged uh, conflicts at home. Uh, is um, Maybe I just don't have the greatest tone when I say something. 
Uh, anyways, so so yeah, so the goal is to be reconciled, not to be right, because if you're right, maybe you're right on the couch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, Pastor Lee talked about, uh, he gave the, an illustration, I think it was, yeah, it was this point. Uh, where he's getting uh, navigational instructions from his wife, Cherry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, this is our exit. And he's, nope, sure, and it's the next one. And turns out she was right. And uh, and so really in the aftermath of that, like, you're both in the same car. You're both going to have to go down to the next exit and turn around anyway. So then whoever it was that was right, how do they respond? How do they react to that? Um you know, and, and he mentioned, oh, she could throw that in my face or not. It just, it's one of those things. <clears throat> and so <laughs> um, that it really, uh, that, that story and that illustration really resonated with me because my wife <laughs> is normally the navigator when we drive anywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes uh, I'm like, I don't need Apple Maps to tell me where to go to get to this place <laughs> that we've been two times already. Mm-hmm. Like, I've got it. It's all good. And she's well, I'm gonna keep it up anyway. I'm like you help me, like, <laughs> but uh, it, it's just not worth it. And then you know, whenever you know, that's like driving. You know, driving in Texas. You know, you could just pass the exit uh, sometimes, and then whoever it is that's right next to you goes, "Where are you going? Where are we going?" And it's like, well, what do you mean? It's like, well, that was the exit back there. You know, that's that's the approach sometimes is to wait and to see if they'll actually take the correct exit. Mm-hmm. My wife's not that way. So here's how my <laughs> wife navigates. Um, she will. She always tells me the right exit to go, and I'm usually not not opposed to receiving you know direction. Yeah, yeah. Uh, here's what will happen. We could be driving for you know 20 minutes, and the exit's coming up for 20 minutes, and she'll wait until the exit's right there. And then she'll say, oh, this is your exit. Three lanes over. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I have that zero time. Like, there's traffic all around me. I have zero time to actually merge over and get in the exit. Um, so. Uh, I hate when that happens. That's usually ours. Is like, like, let me know earlier. Um, right. <laughs> anyways. Okay. So, the goal is to not be right. The goal is to um, be reconciled. Mm-hmm. So, uh, replace conflict with peace, peace, replace wrong with reconciliation, and three, replace bitterness with forgiveness. And this is where it gets into um, what we mentioned earlier in the Lord's Prayer says, mm-hmm. um, forgive others, for if you do not, the Lord will not forgive you, which is a hard statement. Uh, yeah. It's a heavy statement, and I think it's directly correlating to um, uh, the grace and the forgiveness that you receive from God should be demonstrated. Like, if you actually have been... Uh, forgiven and saved by God, that should be demonstrated by you forgiving right. others. Yeah, it's the uh, the parable of the unforgiving servant. Mm-hmm. You know, the uh, the king decides to settle his debts, and so he brings in the servant that owes was it uh, uh, ten uh, hundred thousand talents mm-hmm. or something. Uh, I don't remember the amount off the top of my head, but it's like it which would, a talent was like a year's worth of wage, right? Uh, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, it would be like saying like. A trillion dollars yeah. today, like it's a ton of money. It can't be paid back. Your student loans, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It feels like it sometimes. Um, yeah, and so the king uh, he calls him to account, and he's ah, I just need more time. And um, and the king says, uh, okay, uh, you know, not only will I give you more time, but your debt is totally forgiven. All this like insurmountable debt that literally cannot be repaid. And then 
the same servant turns around, goes and finds his fellow servant who owes him like, you know, nothing. Like 50 at, bucks. Right. <laughs> nothing in comparison. He has him uh, thrown in jail after ple- after being pled with to just give him more time. And he wouldn't extend that same forgiveness mm-hmm. that the, the king or the, the master had uh, forgiven him. And it just showed, I mean, you get a sense of like how hard this guy's heart was mm-hmm. uh, in, in that parable. And it's a, it's the same way. It's mm-hmm. it's the parable version of the that part of the Lord's prayer. Well, and that's where, so, so the that parable that Jesus gave, like it's a it's a tangible monetary parable, right? Yeah. Like, like we can clearly look. Here's the the debt that was, that he owed. Here's the small debt that that was owed to him, and we look at that and we're like ridiculous, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I think where we have a hard time shifting it over to our relationships is everything is. Is intangible, yeah. and we also uh, not only do we have probably an, an inflated view of how we've been wronged mm-hmm. by other people, but we have a deflated view of how we've wronged God. Yeah, uh, and so I would say if you, if you're having a hard time offering forgiveness to someone else, like even if you're met with like like that, that passage right there, and you're still like, man, they still did this to me, and I'll never mm-hmm. forgive them of that. What maybe your problem isn't that you can't forgive the other person. Your problem maybe is that you don't have a full understanding of how much you've wronged God right. and have been forgiven of that. And so, so maybe you just need to spend some time, like, fully come to terms with maybe you're not a good person. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you you may, like, you need to fully understand the weight of your sin. And when you fully understand the weight of your sin and what God has done to uh, forgive you of that sin, now you're kind of like, now you can kind of see that parable played right. out in your life of like, okay, well, I've been forgiven of all of this I've done against God, and now I'm holding on to this minuscule thing. And, and that minuscule thing, like, I don't want to diminish that, because right. um, what they did to you may be awful, mm-hmm. um, but in comparison to the eternal forgiveness that God's given you, it's nothing. Right. Right. Uh, and so uh, what we tend to do in those situations is bring out bitterness mm-hmm. instead of forgiveness. And I think it was Mark Twain. Was he the one that said that bitterness is a poison for your enemies that you drink? Uh, I don't know who said it yeah. for sure, but... Um, Anyways, uh, I always thought that that was a good quote because whenever you hold bitterness against someone, it's not affecting them, right? Like, let's say Judah steals my cat. Actually, you can steal my cat. Please, please steal my cat. Um, do you want a cat? Uh, we already have two, so please no. <laughs> let's say I loved my cat and, and you stole my cat. Uh, and, uh, and, man, I'm just harboring that. Judah's just living his life, yeah. right? He's just enjoying the cat over there. <laughs> I'm the only one that's being hurt by the bitterness mm-hmm. uh, in that situation. And so so I, I love the, that statement of like, you know, in our minds, we think bitterness is this poison that we're giving to our enemies, but in reality, it's we're the only ones that are being affected by right. it. Right. That's just, uh, you know, I, I have a problem with that illustration. Yeah? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure anybody would be that bitter over a cat. But oh, yeah. a dog. Okay, a dog. Your dog, yeah. though. Um, Man, okay. oh, gosh. Yes. What's your dog's name? Uh, I've got Little Joe and Rosa. I've got two. All right, which one do you like more? Well, I like them both differently for different reasons. So it's kind of hard to... Okay, let's say Judah stole both of them. 
Yeah, see, now it's personal. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> now, now you're like you're like the guy shaking down the <laughs> right. the the guy after you got forgiven. Oh, all yeah, that that's debt. right. Give me my dogs back. Yeah. <laughs> it's like all Christianity goes out the window when you mess with my dogs. Yeah, that's right. And uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you're right. Um, and Lee even had a really good uh, illustration on this point. About the uh, the wife that went to to go meet with her uh, with a counselor or pastor or uh, mm-hmm. and like therapist therapist yeah. whoever yeah. it was uh, and she wants to hurt her husband as much as possible before she divorces him because he has just caused her so much harm and um, and I thought that was a a great uh, a great illustration where hey uh, really answering the question of man I'm I'm already so bitter how can I go about forgiving somebody when I'm all the way over here and um, what did he say? Action or uh, motion creates emotion, I think mm-hmm. is what he yes, says. What he said. Um, or something like that, something to that effect. And so, um, you know, God, he calls us to, to love others, to forgive others. And that's a, that's a handy tool uh, to be able to do that is really uh, to, to go over and beyond, uh, especially with more difficult people and, and find ways uh, to, to, sh- to show uh, love to them. Uh, and we may even find that our emotions follow us mm-hmm. that way. Yeah, well, what will tend to happen, so so let's say you're wronged. So let's take a situation in a marriage, like years of wronged or apathy or, or whatever it may be that's brought you to, um, to a place of hurt. Um, that's going to move one of two directions. It's not going to stay there. Right. You're, you're not just going to stay in this, like, like, neutral zone after being hurt. You're going to either go one way or the other. You're either going to allow that to turn into a resentment and bitterness, or you're going to forgive them moving into a state of, like, like you're past it. Right. But it, it's not going to stay in the middle. It's going to go one way or the other. And so uh, so what, what you essentially have to do is when you're met with hurt, when you're met with conflict, you have to ask yourself, which way am I going to take this? Am I just going to harbor this and just move it into that bitterness and resentment, which will eventually, if pushed far enough, move into a retaliation oh, yeah. uh, standpoint, which is not uncommon for marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, marriage is one of like the most intimate relationships you can be in. And with intimacy comes vulnerability, and with vulnerability comes deep hurt like that like there's a way that randy can hurt me that that judah can't hurt me um (laughs) except the cat thing except the cat thing um uh and and when people are able to be hurt deeply like that 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 can lead to incredible resentment bitterness Mm -hmm. and retaliation um anyways so so it can either move in that direction or you can say okay I can I can process this, deal with this, and forgive them of this. Now, here's an important note. Forgiveness doesn't always mean that you have to trust them again. Right. Um, like if, uh, if you're in a, an abusive relationship, you can forgive someone without putting yourself in abuse. Right. right? I think that's, that's easily like misconstrued. Right. Um, forgiveness is basically saying, I'm not holding this against you anymore. Now, there's, there's relationships that I've been a part of where like, I forgive you, but I don't want to talk to you. For for the good of both of us, like right. like like past like ex relationships um, that that were was in this like toxic level um, of dysfunction, um, for the good of both of us, we just need to not be around right. each other. Um, 
but I don't have any bitterness. I don't have any resentment, man. I hope the best for them. Like, I'm not at home, like, thinking, like, how, are they, how can I hurt them today? <laughs> My ex-girlfriend uh, from eighth grade. How, <laughs> right? how dare she? <laughs> 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 Um, uh, yeah, hopefully not. Yeah, hopefully the, not. forgiveness is basically saying I'm not holding a debt over you anymore. Like, like if we were to move into like a, a literal like kind of debt relationship, forgiveness is holding a debt against them. You mm. wronged me, and now you owe me, mm. and I'm going to hold this debt until that's for until that's dealt with. Mm. And forgiveness is basically saying I'm going to absolve that debt. Yeah, I'm not going to hold that debt anymore. What it doesn't mean is things have to go back to the way they were. Right. Uh, it just means that you're not going to hold it anymore. Um, anyways, I thought that was important to to distinguish yeah Um, i agree yeah it's not an all or nothing thing yeah yeah yep yep um okay so uh replace bitterness with uh forgiveness and then lastly uh replace pride with love thoughts um well (laughs) pastor lee did uh did bring up he says the problem with this one is we don't usually we're not usually very good at identifying our pride as pride Mm -hmm. Uh, we we tend to see our pride more as uh, righteousness like oh we're we're just right which i can't even i can't even relate to that statement because mine is righteousness oh yeah (laughs) exactly uh (laughs) i don't know if i've i'd have to ask randy i don't know if i've ever had pride in my life Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should call her. Man, Randy keeps, <laughs> you know, we keep bringing Randy in. Maybe we should give her a call and see what she has to say uh, about this. No need to. I know what she would say. <laughs> she would say, Chris is the most stand-up righteous guy ever and not an ounce of selfishness in him. <laughs> I mean, I've got a pre-written statement from her right here. Um, I'm oh man, impressive! You know, well, I'll take things that have never happened in the history of mankind for 500, please, yeah, Alex. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> hey, Jesus! It happened with Jesus. Okay, okay, okay. One time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, no, but uh, you know, if you think about uh, you know, what pride is and then what love is, I mean, they really couldn't be more polar opposite mm-hmm. of each other. Pride—it's all about me. Uh, it's all about the things that I want. It's all about me being right. Uh, it's all about me being puffed up with myself, where uh, love is not about me. It's about the other person, uh, whoever it is that we're talking about, whether it's a marital relationship, family, friends, uh, coworkers, bosses, all those, all the different sorts of relationships that we have. And, uh, and Christ really is the model uh, for us on that to uh, replace pride uh, with love. And if there was ever any, uh, speaking, you know, humans, uh, anyway, mm-hmm. um, uh, if there was ever anyone who was entitled to all of the things that it meant to be God the Son, right, it was Christ. However, Scripture tells us that he emptied himself, he took the form of a servant, right, to come. Uh, he came here to fulfill all righteousness, uh, to uh, pay the, the penalty, uh, for our sins on the cross uh, to be raised again and then to, to ascend uh, to the right hand of God the Father. And so that action really demonstrate those actions altogether really demonstrate that Christ, who, again, uh, he, he deserved all of these things here. Uh, he, he left that. Uh, he came here to love us, really, Uh, so he could be glorified again, right? He's Mm -hmm. the model is what I'm trying to say. Well, and that's a, you know, my mind went to that passage of Philippians 2 that you just mentioned right before that says uh, when like 
so Philippians 2 gets into Jesus as the model of humility. Mm-hmm. And before that, it says, a command to us, do nothing else, selfish ambition or empty mm-hmm. conceit. But um, in humility, consider others as more important than yourself. Um, I think that's an interesting point in that to to have a lens of love instead of pride is not just um, it's not just being humble whenever someone else is in the wrong, but it's actually lowering yourself to help them through that mm-hmm. that that issue. So last night um, we were just cleaning up the house, and there was like you know how it, how it always gets like there's a pile of laundry on the bed, and uh, I was putting away the laundry, and um, uh, got all the laundry put away, and for us, the majority of the stuff goes in uh, drawers. Um, but then there's a handful of things that have to get hung up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hate, I hate laundry in general, but I really hate um, hanging stuff up on hangers. I also, in my hatred of hanging stuff up on hangers, I typically won't do Randy's. Um, so, so I'll fold up all Randy stuff, and then there's like just a pile of stuff that need to go on hangers, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, she can get this. And there's like a pile that's been sitting there for, for a little bit. Um, and uh, last night I was tired and I just got done doing all that stuff. Uh, and there's just left that one pile of, of hers. And and in in my thinking, in my uh, humble uh, love, uh, without trying to sound too hubris, uh, I, I legitimately had the thought of, okay, in this moment, I can dump this off on her as her responsibility because it's her clothes, right? Or... I can do a kindness to her, lower myself, and hang up the stuff for her and put it up. And I would like to say I did that. I did that. Um, <laughs> good job. Yes, you did it. It only took me like a month. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was one of those things where, like, it, it was actually a really hard moment in my mind because I'm, I'm left with two options. I can I can uh, do what is well within my rightful duty to do is to be like, okay, I've done all my part. I'm going to go sit down. Or I can you know, um, humble myself and say, like, it's not just about looking out for what I'm supposed to do. It's also looking out for the better right. of others. Right. And if, that's a, if that means taking five minutes to hang up clothes, that's a small price to pay. Oh, yeah. Compared to Jesus on the cross. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, I don't think she's, uh, I think maybe she's given up. My wife has. Um, but uh, used to, uh, before we moved, uh, she used to have her clothes that were hanging up, like ordered by color. Mm-hmm. And but the problem is, you know, if and if you guys don't know, men and women see colors very, very differently. Oh, have you this seen is, the spectrum? You talk like, about you talk about stupid and foolish arguments. Yeah. This is one of those ones that yeah. me and my wife have gotten into. <laughs> yeah, of like what is blue and what is gray. Right, right, or green or whatever. And so, uh, I even, whenever I taught world geography, I would even, uh, in, I would talk to the kids like right out of the gate. I'm like, listen, I, your, your geography teacher this year, I am a man. Here is an image showing color spectrums, right? And so on one side, there's an image. It's, uh, here's how men see colors and it's red, orange, yellow, green, blue, purple, whatever. And then on the other side, it's, is how women see colors and it's red, Red, orange, gray, you know, whatever, like all the little like, oh, violet, purple, mm-hmm. light purple, lavender. Uh, and there's like 20 different colors for like one color. Mm-hmm. So I had to make it very clear for them. I'm like, 
like because when you're coloring maps, you can't color two countries that are adjacent to each other the same color, mm-hmm. right? And so I learned the first year I taught geography that the girls were like, oh, well, that's not red and red. That's red and whatever, whatever the other made up color was. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, yeah. So long story short, <laughs> I used to go and hang her clothes up, put them on hangers, and then I would put them in the wrong place. <laughs> And I'd hear about it. and uh, But now... It, it sounds like I'm the Sam in your relationship. <laughs> it's flipped. Uh, yeah, the thing is now, I think, after again, after being married for 10 years, I think she's just happy now that I put some of her clothes away sometimes. And so I don't hear about it anymore. Mm-hmm. It's either she's even either given up on me or uh, I, something. She's I just know. lowered her expectations. Yeah, that's right. She's like, this is my life now. Yep. I'm just going to live without my This is my cross to carry. <laughs> ordered by color or whatever. It's so Every night she prays that she can humble herself <laughs> and look out for the good of you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. But I mean. And you're just sleeping. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh man, it's a, it's all, it's a journey. The whole thing's yeah. a journey, isn't it? Yes. So replace pride with love, and if you can do this, if you can try to find a way to like head off your pride mm-hmm. and uh, have a, th- a mindset of not how do I get everything my way, but rather a mindset of how do I look out for the good of others and 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 love others. Ninety percent of arguments are gone. Yeah, that's right. You don't have to worry about it anymore yep. because you're just you're no longer walking through life figuring out how do I get people to align with me. You're wondering how do I how do I serve others? How right. do I care for others? Right. And sometimes that means that I'm quote unquote wronged. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a proverb that says it's to a man's glory to overlook an offense. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell myself that all the time. That if I get like just offended by some little thing over here, mm-hmm. I have to remind myself it's to a man's glory to overlook an offense. I'm not going to get upset about something nitpicky over here right. that doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. yeah. Here's a good principle to live by. Um, I think uh, uh, I've heard my uncle say this multiple times. Happy wife, happy life? No. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. This is a little different. Okay, before you you speak, and we'll apply it back to arguments and, mm-hmm. and relationships and things, but before you speak, you have to think to yourself, is what I'm about to say an improvement on the silence, or is the silence preferable? <laughs> so it's uh, it's kind of the same way. It's Stepping like, on my toes over here. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So uh, the question is, it's like, you know, it, when you've been wronged or feel as if you've been wronged, and maybe you're sitting there with uh, with a friend or a spouse or whoever, and you're just kind of sitting in silence or whatever. It's like, and you just have that impulse, especially when when it's something little, not worth fighting about. It's like, is the silence preferable, or is what I'm about to say preferable? Um, it's just a good principle. Do you um, ever do that whenever um, yeah you know, something like little that doesn't matter happens, and you're having a conflict in your mind? Oh, yeah, yeah. You're like, like, do I say it? Do I say, Chris, don't say it. Yeah, that's don't, right. Chris, this isn't worth it. Don't say it. And then you blurted it Says it. Yeah. And then you immediately regret it. Yeah. Like, I shouldn't have said And then that. it opens up this big can of worms, and then your 25-minute average argument, hey, that's all, like, way left right. in the rearview mirror. Yeah. Now we're on an hour-and-a-half-long argument. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we need to bring our wives on, and we can just, <laughs> like, have Randy and Sam just do this podcast, and then they can, like, give you all the other side to all these stories. Oh, dude, I don't know yeah. about that. Let's be careful what we what we wish for. 
I was thinking more along the lines of you and I will sit in the middle and our wives can sit I don't on the wanna, outside. I don't want to be in the middle. I don't want that. them to sit next to each other because <laughs> they'll team up. <laughs> I want I want to not be part of that because then I'll, they'll bring up stuff and I'm like, I have no justification for what I did. And I don't want... They'll both just stare. At that point, you just plead yeah. the fifth. Yeah. yeah, you just... I'm. Just, yeah, you can't plead the fifth in, um, in your marital relationships. It doesn't yeah. work that way. It's like they say something and you're like... Silent, or uh, what I would say would not improve on the silence. Right, so I'm just it, going to be silent. Right, but then you know what they're going to shoot back with is, were you were, were you even listening to me? And then, <laughs> well, and then yeah. you just say, no comment. Yeah, <laughs> I invoke my Fifth Amendment privilege. <laughs> uh, All right, this is going downhill fast. Yeah, it is. All right. it sure is. Anyways, so that's the second part of how to reset your relationships. Primarily speaking, this week, um, Pastor Lee talked about how to replace toxic behaviors with healthy ones. Uh, four ways to do that is to replace conflict with peace, uh, to replace wrong with reconciliation, to replace bitterness with forgiveness, and to um, replace pride with love. Man, I hope that uh, in y'all's relationships and ours as well, that we can apply these things so that way we don't... Um, Involve ourselves in stupid and foolish arguments, um, but uh, rather, you know, whenever there's times that we do, do disagree, it's on things that are worthwhile, and we do so in a manner of love. Yep. All right. Amen. All that being said, it's time for Bad Doctrine of the Week. Jacob, what do we got? Okay. Here's the headline. It's going to take a little bit of uh, just a little explanation past the headline. The headline doesn't do it all. I'm going to lean back then. Okay. All right, so this is from uh, The uh, Spectator, which is a uh, some kind of a magazine or publication in the United Kingdom. So here's the title. Is the Church of England giving up on Sunday worship? Mm-hmm. And, so, and so there's a, uh, I, I think it's the, their women's soccer team uh, are... Uh, I'm sorry, before, yeah. <laughs> before we get going, why is it always women's soccer? I don't know. It's yeah. always women's soccer that, that puts themselves in the middle of, right. of conflict. Well, yeah, I had a comment, but I think right. I'm just going <laughs> to... It wouldn't improve on the silence. <laughs> no, it would not so, improve uh, upon the silence, yeah. so we'll, we'll just move on. Um, but, man, saying the... Uh, the Lionesses, which is uh, based on the article, I don't know anything about like international soccer, mostly because I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, so the, I think the Lionesses are the the England ladies' soccer team. Uh, but there was an unfortunate conflict of timing, uh, which meant that just as England England England's women's football slash soccer team were limbering up to kick the first ball in Australia, church services in England were launching into their first hymn. And so the Church of England uh, came out and, and said, uh, you know, I know, this is a quote, I know lots of people will want to watch the match live. That's fine from the Church of England's point of view. Others will prefer to go to church and avoid knowing the score until they can watch the match on catch-up, and that is fine too. Church services happen at different times at different places, so people can choose one that is right for them, said Libby Lane, the Church of England's first woman bishop, now appointed the church's spokeswoman on sports. And so, uh, sort of the... So, sorry, read that again? That, that last statement? <clears throat> uh, so said Libby Lane, the Church of England's first woman bishop, now appointed the church's spokeswoman on sport. <laughs> <laughs> the church has a spokesperson on sports? Evidently, and her name's Libby Lane. Why don't we have that? 
Uh, Judah, do you want to be our official spokesperson well, on sports? Easy. We already have that. Yeah. We have Michael, right? Is he our official spokesperson on sports? He might be now, if unless Judah wants the job. I know nothing about <laughs> sports, so <laughs> like, like, do you, do we get enough press inquiries of like, what's your thoughts on the the latest game? Right. right. <laughs> well, First Baptist's uh, official position is. Go Cowboys. <laughs> right. Um, anyway, sorry. Yeah. I, thought, I just found that funny. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah, that's an interesting position uh, that exists. How do you even get that position? Uh, yeah, it's a great question. Um, but the article goes on. It says, um, you know, it isn't difficult to see why. No one wants the church to look like a bunch of miserablest killjoys. <laughs> and in this, Bishop Lane might be channeling Charles I. His book of sports published in 1633 rebuked the Puritans for their prohibiting uh, an unlawful punishing of our good people for using their lawful recreations and honest exercises upon Sundays. So the the issue is basically: is it okay to miss church to go watch women's soccer for them? That's only so. So did they cancel church, or did they just say? I think they came out and said, if you want to go watch. Uh, Gosh, the, okay. the soccer game, go for it. Uh, if you want to come to church, okay. Yeah. Uh, I've, I saw multiple articles, and some of them kind of made it seem like uh, some some services just weren't going to happen that that morning on mm-hmm. Sunday morning. Uh, others were more like this, where it was kind of a you know uh, they didn't come out and explicitly say that. Yeah. So this is rather applicable to right now because football's about to start up. Yep. Um, now. Luckily for us here at First Baptist, we have two services. We have 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. every day. So let's say you're a person who who does want to watch the game kick off at 12 and you want to be there with plenty of time. Uh, you can just go to the 9 a.m. service and then you don't have to worry about it. Um, but let's say that that wasn't the case. And, and you just have to completely miss service because you want to go watch this game. Is that okay? Uh, so... Um, I don't want to be legalistic and say like there's never a chance there, there's never a moment that you should ever miss a service um, because then that that just kind of creates a a weird precedent. Um, uh, it would always go back to motive. Mm-hmm. I think is is the case. It always goes back to motive because like let, let's even pull it off of sports. Let's say there's a time that like I was going to go meet up with my family for lunch. And because I was going to go meet up with my family, it's going to be a busy day. I just decided not to go to church that day. Um, is that okay? Um, you know, let's say, you know, I never work on Sundays, but my work called a special Sunday meeting um, and I'm going to have to miss church. Is that okay? It's like there, there's all these like weird exceptions to the rules. And I think it always goes back to motive of like, okay, is there an extenuating circumstance that's out of the norm and and you need to miss um, congregating with the church for that. Um, so by default, I would say do your very best to always congregate with the church. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that should always be the, the default position. And the reason for that isn't out of some duty. Uh, and it's not out of um, like I'm supposed to go to church on Sunday mm-hmm. and there's never a reason I can't ever miss. I think it's out of the gospel, right? Right. The, the gospel again isn't just restoring your relationship with God; it's restoring your relationship with each other. And church, 
the church congregating together is us coming together, like we talked about a few weeks mm-hmm. ago, to um, come declare what God has done, to fellowship together, and to um, to grow closer together, us and the Lord closer right. together. And I think that needs to be a high priority. In fact, in our uh, membership class here, uh, we, we really lean into that of like that is a high priority here. Um, and so, so the next question is, okay, so there's a high priority there. Next question is, okay, what extenuating circumstances are going to meet that threshold to where it's okay to miss? Um, Let's start there. What, what, what's your thoughts on that? What, what, what would be an, a, a, an appropriate threshold? Um, you know, especially something that is a uh, probably like a one-off. Like mm-hmm. this is uh, this is going to happen once in a lifetime, and I'm not talking about sports yeah, games. Just in general, uh, yeah. Uh, generally, um, you know, I would. I, uh, granted, uh, I'm not a huge NFL fan like mm-hmm. i don't mind watching it if it's on but i'm not going to go out of my way. i like my college football which uh happens saturdays not sunday so it's really not a big issue for me but uh, if there was going to be a game played sunday uh i just i would record it i don't i don't feel like sports is a really good reason mm-hmm. uh to to go about uh, missing on a sunday unless you know um you know if you're going to uh if you have to travel uh, or something like that and just can't make it back or something something like that. But uh, like, hey, you have a, um, you know, there's a family member that is uh, getting married and you've got to be out of town or something like that mm-hmm. uh, on a Saturday and there's just no way to make it back Sunday. You know, mm-hmm. that would be that would be something that, uh, you know, it's a one-off. Mm-hmm. It's not like this is going to be every week for the next three months. Weeks, yeah, yeah, something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, maybe. Because if that's the case, so, so let's pull it back into sports yeah. and like NFL. Um, if you're going to take off every single Sunday for the next 16 weeks, then that kind of brings into the, the question of like, okay, um, are you placing a higher priority on a sport right. than you are on God and the church? Right. And it's like, who are you gathering together with? Right. <laughs> are we gathering together with the church or are we going to go to the stadium and gather with all the sports Now, what if you and, get you know, a bunch of other guys from the church to come to gather go with, with you, you. <laughs> and during halftime you do a devotional. Does that count? Uh, <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Judah like, says yes. It's like what? Ju- oh, Judah's okay. all about. I'm all for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like um, yes, we even brought our communion elements here. Yeah. Uh, guy pulled out a guitar. <laughs> right. Meanwhile, there's a guy behind you celebrating a touchdown, like throwing his beer around. And, <laughs> you know. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a good question. I, it's there, there are definitely some, uh, I would say some gray areas, but yeah, the mm-hmm. overarching rule should be like, we don't neglect together together. Yeah. So yeah. And I think it all goes back to motive and that's what Jesus, did. Yeah. Jesus always pulled it back to the motive. Um, is there an extenuating circumstance in which you're not placing this circumstance over God, but it's just logistics right. just, uh, made it. But is this an ongoing circumstance where you're demonstrating in your heart that you're you're placing a higher priority on something other than God and uh, right. His church? Right. Uh, I think those are good questions to ask. Let's move it out of sports because uh, this is like a real life thing that mm-hmm. that happened this past year. I think Christmas happened on the Sunday, is that yes. right? This past year, and there was this great big debacle of churches canceling service, mm-hmm. like just flat out canceling service. And it sounds weird because then the, the the reason on the surface is, hey, today's uh, the day that we celebrate Jesus being born into this world. Therefore, 
we're not going to gather together to worship Jesus. It's like, happy birthday, Jesus. Sorry, your party's so <laughs> right. It just so so me like I understand. I understood the complete logistics of it. And I had right. a friend that vehemently disagreed with me on this. Um, I understand the logistics of okay. Uh, traditionally, Christmas is a family event, and uh, everyone's traveling. Everyone's doing all these different things and get-togethers. And if you have, um, you know, if you're married, uh, you may have like your own Christmas, and then you have to go over here to this grandma's Christmas and this grandma's oh, Christmas. Gosh, don't get me started. Yeah, and so you, that day is hectic. I get it. Mm. I get the logistics of it, um, and, and that that's the the argument for it mm. is is this is a crazy day. Let's not make anyone's day even more crazy. Um, let's just uh, choose to worship within your family. Um, and then that was usually what they would encourage is just worship together with your family and, and go about your day. There's just a lot of cognitive dissonance for me there. Yeah. Of um, You have Jesus who, like you said earlier, was at the highest level and humbled himself to become... A person, mm-hmm. the greatest inconvenience of all time, Jesus took. Yet we have a hard time inconveniencing our day that we celebrate that great yeah. inconvenience to even disrupt our day a little bit to go to church and gather together with His body. Yeah, that's that's the the problem that I have yeah. with it. And uh, yeah, I really like what we did here. Um, yeah, hey, we're having service. If you're traveling or if you're out of town or whatever because you're visiting family that week, so be it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but we're going to be here and we're going to have – we're going to gather together yep. with those that are here. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that we did that uh, that way um, for sure. And, and and there's for sure like creative solutions. Yeah. Um, so like like let's say like on the – the NFL thing it starts at twelve. Well, we have nine a.m. service. Right, just go to nine a.m. Right. service. Right, and, uh, it's a non-issue. Yeah, and and let's uh let's be honest. Nine a.m. is not that early, especially for rabid football fans. Yeah. So I would just like to point out during my time at Texas Tech University, right, and we all know Cowboys fans are like way up here, right, <laughs> as far as fans go. Texas Tech, uh, anytime that there would be an eleven a.m. kickoff game. Uh, you you know you could get up early, go get some breakfast or whatever, and kind of get around. Dude, there would be people tailgating, like full on tailgating, and it's like seven thirty in the morning because they you know they're they've got a pregame before the game, right? That's the whole point mm-hmm. of the tailgate is mm-hmm. to, hey, we're gonna eat food. Uh, there's people even drinking beer at seven thirty in the morning. It's like they're gonna start speaking in tongues. Like, oh my gosh, what are y'all doing? <laughs> And uh, it was a Pentecost joke. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> Just in case anyone missed it. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Uh, I, yeah, I thought it was good. Um, but it's like if they can, uh, if Texas Tech fans even can get up and be tailgating at seven thirty, surely we can make it to church by nine. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so all in all, you know, for sure, don't want to set hard and fast rule um, where the Bible doesn't set hard and fast rules. Right. Uh, but. If, if you're a person who is choosing something over uh, a church service um, or gathering together with the body of Christ, uh, just be very introspective yeah. and just ask yourself, am I placing, am I making this over here a higher priority than, than um, God and his church? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and if it's one of those things that there's just no way around it, uh, like like you have to do this thing, then just ask yourself, okay, is there creative solutions right. around this? And so, 
you know, for whatever reason, you know, Christmas is on Sunday and I even have a problem with this, but, but, um, let's just create a creative solution to Christmas being on Sunday. What if we had our church service on Saturday? Right. Right. And we just decide together as a church, we're going to have church on Saturday. I would, I would choose that. I, I would still find it a weird cognitive dissonance to cancel service on the day, yeah. Yeah. uh, for that reason. Um, but at the very least, that they're creating a creative solution to where we're still going to gather together as the the body of Christ and celebrate this day. Right. We're just going to do it one day early. Yeah, and uh, I, I yeah, I really like that we we did meet on Christmas. Uh, be, partly for that reason, it's like it's Christmas. Yeah, we're crying out loud. This is the whole point. Jesus is the reason for the season. <laughs> right. Yeah, you can't say Jesus is the reason for the season and, and then, then just cancel not church. Go to church. It's messed yeah. up. Uh, but like, if you uh, and there's people that we have uh, in the church, church members, uh, faithful church members who uh, they they can't come on Sunday, mm-hmm. right? So what do they do? They come on Wednesday, yeah. right? And and so it's like if you know that hey, works. I've got to work this Sunday. Like make the Wednesday service. Like. Mm-hmm. You know, make it a uh, make it a priority uh, mm-hmm. to to be here and and to gather together with God's people yeah. and all that. Or even the online thing. Uh, and we tell all of our members, um, online services are great. They're not a replacement right. by any means, uh, but a short term. Like you're out of town, right? Um, or you're sick. Or you're sick. Um, it's a great it's a great supplement mm-hmm. to kind of like uh, help you in that you know, extenuating circumstance, uh, we certainly don't recommend it as a long-term solution um, because uh, you're not physically, you know, congregating with the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, Homebound, obviously, there's, there's some extenuating circumstances there, but, but we're talking about the, uh, the general person who has the ability to to get here. Right. Um, uh, And so, so there are creative solutions uh, but again, just always go back to what's the motive. Right. And so in this article, mm-hmm. uh, the motive on the Church of England side for not wanting to sort of take a, any sort of a hardline response wasn't, uh, it had nothing to do with scripture. It's, uh, it was, no one wants the church to look like a bunch of <laughs> miserablest killjoys. It's like, we don't want people to think that we're lame. Yeah. So yeah, go yeah. watch soccer or whatever. Yeah. yeah it's, like, hmm. Yeah, and that's head scratcher. That's the hard thing because the the church isn't. You, you, people use this argument all the time in trying to get the church to adjust its its um, doctrinal beliefs. Is like like you gotta keep up with the times. If you don't, if you don't keep up with the times, people are just gonna abandon you and, and not stay up with you. And the goal of the church isn't to be fun. I think I have some of the funnest times of my life oh, in yeah. church. Yep. But the goal isn't to be fun. Um, the goal uh, is to um, call people out of their life of sin into a life of holiness with God. Yeah. And sometimes if if that means like, hey, you need to um, lower your your um, priority of sports below God, wow, that looks really unfun. Mm-hmm. But that's calling people to a life of full surrender to God. Right. No, no right. one no one has to give up sports. Right. Um, right. Uh, but again, it's just asking yourself, am I making sports an idol? Right, right. And uh, for the record... Um, you know, for, as far as the church having to try to keep up with the times, let's not forget, time revolves around the church, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, what happened in the year 1 AD? 
Oh, just Jesus came and was born, right? The entire church, our entire calendar is based on Christ. And Now, if I was to be a stickler on history here, <laughs> it was more like 3 or 4 BC. Okay. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So there, were, there was a monk in the 4th century that calculated. He got really close. Okay. Yeah. But we, those are the numbers that we, we've gone with this far, and we've, yes. we've done okay, you know. Y2, Point stands. Yeah, that's right. Y2K wasn't uh, a total meltdown. Right. So for those of us that remember. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Y2K. Yeah. Yep. Good times. And then 2012. Yep. And then there's, I'm sure, another one. Anyways. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, fun. Well, we're not canceling services anytime soon, hopefully. That's good. Um, all right. Y'all got anything else? We're all good. All right. Cool. All right. Well, we are so glad that y'all joined us here today for the Digging Deeper podcast. Um, Just a quick reminder that uh, uh, to subscribe, like, comment, do all those things. Let us know, um, you know, what you thought about conversations today. Do you argue with your spouse 182 times a year? Hopefully not. Um, But uh, let us know how uh, you handle arguments or or anything else you want to talk about. Uh, We'd love to read it. We are glad y'all joined us. We'll see y'all next week.